Hello everyone and welcome to the December 17th edition of WarComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foltz with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The U.S. Supreme Court agreed to decide whether brand name drug companies may pay monies to generic drug rivals to keep their lower priced products off the market. The arrangements, known as pay-for-delay, or reverse payments, have for more than a decade vexed antitrust enforcers, including the Federal Trade Commission, which have been stung until recently by a series of court decisions allowing such practices. In a typical case, a generic rival challenges the patent of a brand-name competitor, which then pays the rival a sum of money to drop its challenge. Defenders of the practice call it a legitimate means to resolve patent litigation. The court accepted an appeal by the FTC, which had challenged annual payments of $31 million to $42 million by Solvay Pharmaceuticals Incorporated to stop generic versions of Androgel, a treatment for the underproduction of testosterone until 2015. Solvay Pharmaceuticals Incorporated is now owned by Abbott Laboratories. These payments went to rivals such as Watson Pharmaceuticals, Paddock Laboratories, and Par Pharmaceuticals and were intended to help Solvay preserve annual profits estimated at $125 million. The 11th Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals in Atlanta ruled against the FTC and upheld the arrangement last April. Two other circuit courts have also upheld such arrangements. But the Federal Appeals Court struck down a similar arrangement in July involving Merck and company. The Supreme Court often steps in to resolve such splits. According to the FTC, 127 reverse payment arrangements were struck between 2005 and 2011 at an annual cost to consumers of $3.5 billion. This FTC case will be decided by an eight-member U.S. Supreme Court. Justice Samuel Alioto recused himself without giving a reason. A decision is expected by the end of June. The case is Federal Trade Commission versus Watson Pharmaceuticals. And now our fraud report. Allstate Insurance Company was awarded more than $7 million in a key Tom action filed in Los Angeles by the insurer against a Long Beach chiropractor, Daniel H. Dahan, and his business, Progressive Diagnostic Imaging Incorporated. The court found that Dayhan and Progressive Diagnostic Imaging violated the state's Insurance Frauds Prevention Act in 487 claims presented to Allstate in radiology reports that were determined to be falsified medical records that have no diagnostic, clinical, or medical value whatsoever. The Superior Court judge further concluded that health insurance claims forms and billing statements submitted in connection with the falsified radiology reports were false and fraudulent. The judge ordered that Dayhan pay Allstate over $4 million in civil penalties, $900,000 in assessments, and $1 million in attorney fees, costs, and investigative expenses, about $7,010,000 in all. Allstate alleged that Dehan purchased report writing software that purported to analyze x-rays and form medical opinions and diagnoses, including opinions concerning permanent impairment ratings, 
and thereafter foreign progressive diagnostic imaging to solicit x-rays from chiropractors with the assurance that board-certified radiologists would analyze the films. Allstate further claimed that Dehan recruited untrained and unlicensed individuals to work with the report writing software to prepare the fraudulent radiology reports. Dehan instructed his technicians to cut and paste the signatures of board-certified radiologists to the reports, all without the knowledge, approval, or authorization of the radiologists. At trial, four radiologists whose names appeared on reports testified they never wrote, reviewed, approved, or signed the reports. A federal grand jury returned an 11-count indictment against 58-year-old Mark E. Lung of South Lake Tahoe, charging him with wire fraud, mail fraud, and making a false statement to obtain federal workers' compensation. The indictment alleges that Lung worked for the United States Postal Service until 1987 when he claimed he sustained a work-related injury. Lung never returned to full-time employment with the Postal Service and began receiving workers' compensation benefits. To obtain the benefits, Lung submitted an annual certification form and also had his medical providers attest that he could not perform any work. The indictment alleges that Lung was not that disabled. Among other things, Lung maintained a yearly ski pass for Heavenly Ski Resort in Lake Tahoe, where he regularly skied for at least 40 days per ski season. Moreover, Lung was also observed performing arduous physical labor on numerous days. If convicted, Lung faces a maximum statutory penalty of 20 years in prison and $250,000 fine. The former owner of a security and investigations firm who also served as a reserve deputy with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department was convicted of defrauding the state of millions of dollars in workers' compensation premiums. A jury found 48-year-old Osama Sam Kariwa, former president and chief executive of International Services Incorporated, guilty of seven felony counts including grand theft of labor, two counts of insurance fraud, and four counts of illegal possession of assault weapons. Alan Terrell Bailey, the company's vice president for quality assurance, also was found guilty of four counts of failure to file tax returns and one count of illegal possession of an assault weapon. Both men are scheduled to return to court in February for sentencing. Kariwa is facing a maximum of up to 10 years in county jail. Bailey is facing up to six years behind bars. Kariwa's company provided security for firms and government agencies around the country, including the downtown Los Angeles County Courthouse and the Statue of Liberty in New York. Prosecutors presented evidence that his firm failed to pay $10.1 million in workers' compensation insurance premiums by trying to hide the size of the firm in a bid to avoid paying higher premiums to the state compensation insurance fund. The men created a shell company, International Armored Solutions, and told state officials that they employed about 35 workers at the new company and that it was not part of the main security firm. Los Angeles County had awarded millions of dollars in contracts to the Torrance-based security firm, even though federal and state investigations dating back more than a decade found problems with the company's practices. 
At the time of his arrest, Kariwa was a reserve deputy with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. And in regulatory news, California workplace safety officials have once again fined a state mental hospital for failing to keep staff members safe from patient assaults. The most serious of the citations issued by Cal OSHA against Atascadero State Hospital carries a $27,000 fine. Cal OSHA says that the employees of the hospital suffered an average of 10 patient-caused injuries each month, and corrective measures to control these hazards were not effectively implemented. Those measures include more effectively controlling access to portions of the hospital, an improved alarm system, enhanced presence of security personnel, and adequate staffing on hospital shifts so employees can both care for patients and respond to assaults when they occur. The hospital is also fined for improperly erasing the names of injured employees from documents required by Cal OSHA. The penalties are the latest in a series against all five of the state's mental hospitals in Coalinga, Napa, Norwalk, San Bernardino, and Atascadero. The most egregious among them came after the slaying of Napa State Hospital psychiatric technician two years ago. Donna Gross was strangled by a patient on the fenced grounds of the hospital where the existing alarms did not function. The Department of State Hospitals has appealed the previous citations while working with regulators to improve conditions. The Office of Self-Insurance Plans has posted to its website emergency regulations to implement portions of Senate Bill 863's mandate to establish actuarially-based security deposit collateral amounts. These new regulations will implement SB 863's requirement for all private self-insured employers and groups to obtain an actuarial report to more accurately establish the organization's California workers' compensation liability exposure. The regulations will further define new methods in how the OSIP establishes security deposits collateral requirements based on this additional information. These provisions of SB 863 are required to become effective on January 1st. These regulations do not eliminate the requirements for self-insured employers and third-party administrators to submit annual reports on or before March 1st of each calendar year. Copies of the emergency regulation package can be found on OSIP's regulations page. The Division of Workers' Compensation issued its Notice of Emergency Regulatory Action Affecting the Supplemental Job Displacement Benefit. Among other things, the new regulations adopt a new form known as the Physician's Return to Work and Voucher Report, which should make it easier for claims administrators to know when the time limits for SJDB benefits commence. The first physician who finds that the disability from all conditions for which compensation is claimed has become permanent and stationary or has reached maximum medical improvement and finds that the injury has caused permanent partial disability is responsible for completing this form. The physician can be the primary treating physician, a qualified medical evaluator, or an agreed medical evaluator. This form does not need to be completed until all conditions for which compensation is claimed have become permanent and stationary. The physician should indicate work restrictions in terms of how many hours a particular activity can be performed during an eight-hour workday. 
Other restrictions can include psychiatric restrictions, chemical exposure problems, use of equipment, or any other restrictions. The purpose of the form is to fully inform the employer of the work capacities and activity restrictions resulting from the injury that are relevant to potential regular work, modified work, or alternative work. The information contained on the form is for voucher purposes and is not considered in any permanent impairment rating or any permanent disability indemnity. This new form is a mandatory attachment to the first medical report finding that the disability from all conditions for which compensation is claimed has become permanent and stationary and that the injury has caused permanent partial disability. This form should be attached to a comprehensive medical legal evaluation and does not replace such comprehensive medical legal reports. A new CWCI study, the average amounts insurers pay for medical services on workers' compensation claims, have jumped sharply since 2005. This includes average payments for treatment pharmaceuticals and durable medical equipment, medical legal reports, and medical management. In addition, the study finds that average amounts paid per claim for indemnity benefits to compensate injured workers for lost time and permanent disabilities have followed a similar pattern declining briefly in the first year after the reforms were enacted by Governor Schwarzenegger, but then climbing steadily thereafter. The Institute study has been released in a CWCI research update report, Medical Development Trends in California Workers' Compensation, Accident Year 2002-2011. to The report includes graphics and text showing the growth in overall medical payments in four medical expense subcategories and in indemnity payments for lost time claims, with appendices showing the results for all claims. And with that, that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or iPod by searching for the WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I am Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.